0: So this is uh, 24 hours now. You've been under the eight precepts, uh, practicing meditation. Very good. You managed to stay with it. (laughs) I warn you that in the first three days, to bear with the uh, restlessness, one thing. the body, restless, because it's not used to such a passive uh, way of living, and usually have our activities and ways of doing things, and this is this is a very passive, kind of sedate lifestyle, meditation retreat. So it takes a while for the body to adjust itself to the say, sitting work. A long time, or just walking, doing the walking practice, going back and forth for walking from this point to that point for twenty, forty-five minutes. And then the mind is used to being stimulated and and uh, by various things, like television and uh, conversations and various. Computer the whole realm of modern technology now that I don't, I don't know anything about, <coughs> like com- computers, then internet and all that. I don't, I don't know how anything about that. I'm illiterate, and so what well, that does to the mind, I can imagine. Where the kind of instant, kind of fascinating things to to do with uh, all these marvelous machines or with the television, mm-hmm. this instant distraction. So the mind and the body are used to a different, a uh, whole different way of, of uh, experience and so recognize it, that now is a chance to reflect on that, to observe. Because what we're training ourselves to do now is learning how to observe, how to pay attention to the flow of life, flow of experience, uh, rather than just uh, for developing habits around distracting ourselves, seeking pleasure, avoiding pain, being entertained, or uh, just uh, sensory uh, satisfactions and comforts. Uh, we're now observing. And so a lot of what you're going to observe is it can be very boring or, or despairing or painful. But it's uh, Dukkha that, uh, that the Buddha used. Uh, dukkha means the suffering and so it's translated into English as suffering. Or dukkha is a Pali word which means uh, that which is hard to bear. Uh, hard to endure. And so uh, dukkha is the first noble truth. Uh, When the Buddha established his teaching, he based it on the experience of suffering. Because this is common to all of us. We all suffer. And this realm that we live in is a realm of uh, where we experience suffering, a lot of suffering, uh, because it's, we're in a state of, of this sensitive state. let contemplate what it is to be a human being, have a human body with senses, as experienced, as for this day. There's you know, nothing bad, weather's been pleasant, and there's nothing kind of threatening, no war, no... Uh, dangerous uh, animals or things like that but yet even in a safe uh, place like a monastery on a sunny day the, the amount of suffering we can have this dukkha what is hard to bear and they recognize that the the body is a sensitive form so it is you know, that's his nature. It's when you're born, uh, then we have to live our lives. It's conscious and it's sensitive. So until it dies, you're going to experience uh, this continuous kind of agitation or irritation on your senses. It's just part of the result of birth, isn't it? That's, there's nothing wrong with it. not complaining about it. You're just noticing that this is the way it is. Being a human being, having a human body, and then look—it's—it it's, isn't made out of uh, steel or or anything. It's—it's it's rather soft and easily uh, damaged. We feel all the time, don't we? Whether it's hot or cold or damp or dry or, or just through the senses themselves, whatever passes in front of your eyes, it can be beautiful or ugly and that's just the way it is it's, it's when we see beauty then we feel attracted when you see what is ugly then we feel repelled or they on the just the sense of uh, hearing hearing the the beautiful sound or unpleasant odors that are pleasant or unpleasant tastes that are Pleasant or unpleasant, pain in the body. And then sitting, we feel pain, we feel tension, we feel tightness, stress, aches, different types of physical discomfort in the body, because the body is a sensitive organ, a sensitive condition. So sensitivity is like this. This is, we're born into a sense realm, sensual realm, and sensitivity, sensuality, is like this, pleasure, pleasure some parts, some, sometimes it's pleasurable, sometimes it's neither pleasurable nor painful, and sometimes it's painful. But whatever, even pleasure is a kind of irritation to the senses. You know, like when we seek pleasure, we usually want some kind of kind of exciting feeling or pleasurable uh, sensation. But that, when you really begin to recognize it, it's also a form of agitation, and and leads to and even if all we seek out of life is pleasure and beauty and happiness we still won't escape suffering because even if we have the money and the power and the ability to control the environment to suit uh, our experience so that we're having only the pleasurable, only the beautiful, only the refined, it's still in itself a form of irritation. don't believe me just test it out what I'm saying here is for reflection I'm not trying to convince you or convert you but just point out (coughs) the, the obvious so being a human being a conscious entity in the universe and contemplate your relationship to the universe as a as an individual entity have you ever done that? You know, this, this, this form here in this vast universe. When you think about it, when I mean, you I mean, take it too personally, I used to be terrified when I'd think like this, because, it, you know, you've got this whole, you know, infinite, seemingly infinite universal system around this very vulnerable, very sensitive form. Who knows what's out there? What's going to what? What can just you know a star, or a meteorite, or lightning, or something can just you know happen at any time and cause damage to this very vulnerable form. And then this form does get you know the, it grows up, and experience the the frustrations of pain and growth and Sickness when we're children, and then the uh, aging process, old age, sickness, death. These are natural conditions. Uh, we see them as in terms of dhamma, rather than as personal experiences. So you see, what we're doing is we're, we're contemplating the way it is. As dhamma, the dhamma is the way it is, but we tend to, to, out of ignorance, interpret everything in a very personal way, like I'm growing old because mm-hmm. the body is growing old. I'm growing old, and so we we interpret our 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 experience of life when we see ourselves as a human body all the time, and that's our identity. Then. We, are, we have a lot to be frightened of, because we can be hurt, damaged, we can be tortured, we can get, uh, have car accidents, or we can uh, be paralyzed, or get horrible diseases, cancer, uh, various other things that can, can uh, give us immense uh, limitation, discomfort, and pain. And we take this per, as a personal experience. Or, we're now relating it to the way it is, as Dhamma, rather than seeing it in this highly charged sense of me and mine. I am this body, I am this, this aging person, I am this, uh, this memory, this personality, I am, uh, uh, the, that we identify with the gender of the body, very strong views about being male or female, about race, about nationality, about class, about appearance, whether we're attractive or not. All this is, is, is seen in, a, in all this very personal way which makes us suffer because people, we can always be hurt by being insulted or we can always be offended by people, other people saying things or implying things about what we look like or our cultural background or whatever. So if... If all we can do is just, you know, try to control life so that we have as little pain and we can just try to be as healthy as we can and try to refine the environment around us and and filter out all the possible causes for extreme forms of suffering or being offended or upset, uh, then... uh, we, you know, we feel that maybe I'll, I'll be okay. Everything will be all right. But then the future is always, you know, old age, isn't it? We're all getting old. So the future implies this, this sense of this this aging form until it dies. What's death? What's death about? What happens when somebody dies? We don 't know, and that's frightening, isn't it? to not know um, uh, what when we're all going to die, we know we're all going to die, but we don't know what that means or what that is so what I'm doing now is just co- contemplating the the experience of being a human form, a separate conscious entity in the the universe. Because contemplate, each one of us is experiencing life from this point. And then you aren't experiencing life from here where I am, you're experiencing life from where you are. And you always will till you die. (laughs) Wherever your body is, doesn't matter if it's here or there, but that's where, that's That which impinges on it, that contacts it, and how you interpret that, how you respond to that or relate to that. Uh, We're conditioned to, the cultural conditioning is on the personal level, so I'm conditioned to, uh, uh, from my cultural background, to interpret everything that happens to me in a very Personal way, in very individual way, like American of my generation, we're, we're very our cultural background, cultural conditioning is based on a, a strong sense of being unique, a unique individual. We don't have strong identities even with our own families. We have. Uh, uh, we have this very strong identity as a unique individual so, so interpreting life always from that perception of myself as a unique individual, what is the result? suffering because being unique and being individual is very lonely Way to perceive the universe, and uh, and it also is very threatening because people can you know people have various views about me. You know about
1: <coughs>
0: they can they can say all kinds of things. That, you know, I like the praise, and people say you're you're really a unique individual, wonderful man, great monk. We love you and we appreciate every, your presence on this, in this universe, and that's very nice. And then, uh, then the other, the, the other side, the blame, the criticism, it hurts. That's the way it is, isn't it? Praise is nice. You, it makes you feel good, and blame is painful. Is I, am I just am I too unique? Is that you don't feel that? When you're be <laughs> I don't know because I, I'm so you're such a unique individual. <laughs> we identify, hey, just like like saying I'm an American. That's an identity, isn't it? That that goes along with if if that i take, that I could take very personally when I first came to to live in england uh, tw- over twenty years ago and the the way the English used the word american it, it was i i felt quite insulted much of the time <laughs> I took it personally I and mean, say the American usually implied in, in here in England the, the vulgarity and brashness, being loud <laughs> and uh, boisterous, and so that uh, you know, the American, you know, the, 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 you know what the Americans are like, and then identif- identified with with that perception, and I could feel annoyed or or offended by that by by uh, what somebody says that it, that's maybe critical or using the word american in a pejorative sense because of the identity with that perception taking that um that, that sense of american on a personal level so we have all these uh, various ways of, of being upset, offended by uh, the society we live in because of the, this identity this uh, personal interpretation of experience so what we're doing now is, is changing for out of that because we can't we, we're not, we, we, it is possible to interpret life in a different way in a more accurate way, than the personal one. And so this is what we mean by Dhamma, the, the, the way it is, and it's not saying, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a conditioning process, it's not like adopting Buddhist terms and Buddhist ideals to interpret uh, as, as some kind of position that we're taking. But the Dhamma teachings are pointing to the way life is, experience is. So dukkha, or suffering, is the common experience that we all share. Everybody, from the first human being, from Adam and Eve, up to the present time, experience suffering. This suffering is pretty much the same. Isn't it? When whatever uh, nationality, race, or class, whatever, whether you're rich or poor, the suffering is around what old age, sickness, death. It's around uh, loss of the loved, separation from the loved, having to be with what you don't like. All well, this is. This is. Uh, this is the. Uh, Common suffering to to everyone, whether you're uh, wealthy and or poverty stricken or privileged or not, ancient India or modern Britain, it's, it's this, this suffering it, it is pointing to the common suffering that we all share, rather than the unique forms of suffering. So this suffering, uh, or the pain, or the irritation, the frustration, the, the emotional habits we have built around uh, trying to protect ourselves, trying to, to uh, uh, survive, means that uh, we, we endlessly create our suffering as experience. And so this suffering then is to be understood. So to understand means we, we, we start paying attention to the experience of suffering. So like physical pain is, is, is one of the obvious uh, common experiences that you've all been sharing today. <laughs> So pain, physical pain, just from having to sit uh, for 45 minutes, sit still for 45 minutes. And then notice that, that pain, you know, physical pain, uh, discomfort is something immediately we have a desire to get rid of it in some way. We want, we, we don't want it, which is a completely natural reaction Pain is what we don't want. Pleasure is what we'd like, what we want. So when you're having pleasure, it doesn't seem to last very long, does it? When you're having pain, it seems to go on forever. (laughs) We'd like happiness and pleasure to be forever, and pain to just be, you know, if we have to have it, just have it, you know, go very quickly. But that's not the way it is, isn't it? pain, uh, when we have it, then that desire to, to get rid of it, to get away from it. So in terms of, uh, w- there's two ways of dealing with pain in the present. Uh, one is to uh, uh, distract yourself from it. Think about something else. So that if you, you know, if the pain is not too much, you can forget it. And uh, by concentrating your mind, say on, on developing a lot of, of concentration, intense concentration on the breath or on, on a mantra. And so that is, is one way of dealing with it. Uh, and also, the, the, but the the way say of understanding pain is to uh, contemplate it, understand it. In other words, the suffering, the what is it in terms of experience. And so, so I developed a practice around really going to the the pain in the body with a welcoming attitude learning to be patient with it, uh, concentrating my attention onto the actual sensation, trying to, to let it uh, be fully conscious. There's the sensation of pain. And that helps to reflect your own emotional reaction of, of wanting to get rid of it, impatience, aversion to it. So there's actually the, the physical sensation uh, that you're experiencing, then there's the emotional reaction to it, which is the suffering that we create. We create that suffering. So when we change our attitude towards pain, rather than than just getting caught up with uh, trying to ignore it or get rid of it, uh, we say, welcome it, or... Take an interest in it. Put your attention on it, on the sensation. See what that does. But then, and then this is a suggestion just to, to try out, And then, but if you find that you can't take it anymore, then, then you can get away from it by changing your posture or something like that. But, uh, changing your position. But before you do that, uh, I encourage you to, to uh, try to, to look at physical discomfort, physical pain uh, in a different way, changing your, your, your response to it, towards the understanding, this, this sense of accepting it and, and letting it be that way. You feel tensions in your body. You can you can also do that, like like this uh, this morning, feeling a kind of ache in my back on my left side. And so, just going to that that aching feeling, and with the with this uh, acceptance of that patient acceptance of that sensation. I found it was quite all right. I didn't, and it seemed to kind of go away for a while. You know, not permanently, but <laughs> anyway, it was. It wasn't. Uh, I I wasn't creating suffering or aversion towards it in my mind. in this practice especially in the beginning just take it easy you know if you don't uh, don't even though we sit for 45 minutes you can change your position if you want Uh, because i don't want you to think that you have to sit there and just kind of endure and get really negative and averse to the whole thing uh, just to, as a kind of endurance marathon that's not what I'm after but I'm just encouraging you to to uh, to take an interest in the experience so taking an interest yeah, with this sense of understanding dukkha I've contemplated this a lot, and this, uh, this, to stand under it, to, to to accept something that's painful, something we don't want, without conditioning, without condition. Like we can say, "I'll accept it if if it, you know," but I want it to go away. You promise me if I accept it, it'll go away,
1: <laughs> uh,
0: and that. <laughs> that That doesn't work uh, I just tomato said if I accept this pain, it'll go away and it didn't go away mm. so so it's not not that no. uh we're not trying to get rid of it, but uh if we if we are we're aware of that 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 desire that feeling of just aversion and 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 agitation in a and uh, wanting to, to uh, get rid of this unpleasant sensation. So we are now looking at it and responding to it in a, in a way that, is, that will develop a very uh, important spiritual quality like patience. A loving kindness with metta. Metta is a, is a kind of patience Non aversion to what is unbearable, unwanted. In human experience, isn't it? The, the life process presents us with all kinds of, you know, uh, uh, unwanted experiences. And so, whether we create suffering around these experiences or not, we have a choice. We don't, al- we don't always have a choice about the experience. And then they just happen to us. We say it's our karma. The, we, the, it's just the, the way it is. The aging process. We all have to get old. We all have to experience that degeneration that comes with old age with loss of you know the the 2020 vision and getting deaf or losing your hair or or uh, losing your teeth uh, the skin gets all saggy and flabby wrinkly <laughs> well, well how do we interpret that on the personal level, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of suffering to grow old, if taken personally. But if we see it in terms of, of the way it is, because that's the way it is. The body is born, naturally it's born, it's a little baby, it grows up, and then reaches a kind of peak of... Uh, youthful vigor and beauty and then it all starts going the other way. (laughs) (laughs) Just like your inhalation exhalation, isn't it? You can only inhale so far and then it stops and then it goes the other way. That's just a natural law the way things are in a conditioned realm. Whether we interpret that personally or not, that's up to you how you want to experience life. Now, most of us only knew, from our cultural background, only knew how to interpret life on the personal level. So it, it, uh, we, we weren't aware of any other way of looking at it because the society subscribes to that view as reality, the, the, the I am reality. I am the body, I am my emotions, I am this personality. So then the Buddha taught a teaching around suffering, the the ordinary experience of suffering that human beings have, which is based on reflecting, which is, is like reflecting the ability to contemplate and, and observe like this it's like the inhalation is like this exhalation is like this pain is like this pain in the middle of, or in the left side of my back is like this that's a reflecting ability on on the sensation of of an ache in the in the back and they in using that phrase it's like this helps one to to focus on that sensation rather than just react to it the which is to either ignore it or try to get rid of it or be be a develop aversion towards it but because we are Uh, being aware of mental experience also remember thinking and that moves very quickly so we easily trick ourselves or confuse ourselves with our thoughts Uh, uh, at first it seems like trying to catch your own shadow or do something impossible because of the the way the mind the the thinking process is so fast And, and we're so Caught in uh, in in believing and, and identity with emotions that we're having. Now, when I use the word emotion, what I'm, how I use that word is like like the the reaction, like the the uh, reactions we have to experience. So it can be we can be uh, feeling. Uh, happy or sad or or positive or negative we can feel uh, elated or depressed we can feel expansive expansive or we can feel contracted these are the the emotional habits we've developed based on the on the perception of I am this body, I am this person. So the emotions are always, our emotions are always saying, I don't like this, and I want that, and it shouldn't be like this, and I don't, the the emotional habits we've acquired, we've developed in our lifetime, are very much based on the perception of 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 a self view. That's why the emotions are always complaining or, or getting very happy when everything's going well, or getting very upset when it's not going well. Loves the uh, the beauty of life, but hates the the pain of it. And emotions, of wanting to be praised, and just praise me, and then getting sulky and pouty, and and angry and outraged about being criticized. These are the emotions that are conditioned uh, out of that view of a self. So they can't be trusted. You can't trust your emotional reactions. Or maybe you can, but I can't. But there is a part of me I trust. And that, that's this awareness. There's something, when, when I pay attention, and I'm looking at my, uh, recognizing these emotions They're you know, in whatever uh, quality they might be, uh, that awareness is intelligent awareness. Not, it's not, uh, it's not an emotion. <coughs> But it's aware of emotion. It's not judging emotion in terms of saying I shouldn't uh, shouldn't feel like this. It's, but it's aware of of any of the emotion and maybe the reaction to the emotion. Like we tend to judge our emotions too. We feel emotionally like this, and then we pass some form of Value judgment about it say, I should this is a bad emotion or this is childish or this is stupid and so we, we're, we're always confusing ourselves because we're feeling like this and then we're, then we're making some kind of value judgment about it so but the, this awareness is aware of both both the, the tendency to intellect to, to make judgments. Uh, about what you're experiencing or your emotional uh, experience in the present as well as being aware of the emotion itself or what it is in the present. So this is something you can trust. Uh, it's a refuge. Is this awareness, intuitive awareness, the ability to pay attention to what what's happening now. It takes a while to, have, to develop the confidence in in the, in the simple ability to be aware. So, so that's where, you know, I, I have to encourage you to be patient because we inevitably fall back to the old habits of self and all our emotions and our judgments and so forth. But, more and more we're we're not believing it quite so much over quite so long because we're now able to look at it in a different way look at and interpret our experience in in a through wisdom rather than through conditioning because the the buddha buddha's teaching is a wisdom teaching wisdom is the ability to discern clearly uh, ultimately, say, wisdom takes us to the most simple but subtle discerning discernment of the, the difference between the conditioned and the unconditioned, to know the conditions, the birth and death, the changing, impermanent nature of conditionality, and to discern, realize the unconditioned. So that's taking it to enlightenment, when when wisdom then is so accurate that that is we're able to know, to discern like, the conditions like this, unconditions this way. When we know that, then we then we have the, we understand how to. To uh, live our lives, because uh, obviously we we have to uh, bear with the changing conditions still of the body and mind, the emotional habits that that come, the karma we have, uh, the the things that happen to us, and the situations we're in. Uh, but now, but when we are using wisdom, then we. Uh, are not creating suffering even even if tragedy, misfortune, loss, sickness uh, all the the worst happens, we are able to in to to translate that kind of suffering into dhamma rather than into personal sense of loss and despair and depression that would come if we if we took it personally. So the Buddha taught the way of non-suffering. So the, the fourth noble truth, the, the four, four noble truths. The first one is there is this dukkha, this suffering. The last one is the way of non-suffering it's called the Eightfold Path. There's a way of living within the limitation, restric- restriction of human experience and personal karma but not creating suffering around it. And that's quite an amazing thing to be able to do. To know the difference, the wisdom knows the difference between pain, the physical sensation of pain, and the emotional aversion. So how can you actually know the difference? You know, discern the difference is through understanding it, isn't it? Physical pain, itching, uh, discomfort, aching, heat, or, or cold—all these these uh, sensations—they of um, physical—they they create they a physical discomfort. So, like, like an enlightened person still. Itches and experiences pain, gets hot, too hot or too cold. But the enlightened person knows that this is, the, you know, the difference between the actual experience as it is and the, and does not create aversion, does not take it personally, but. Uh, is able to respond to it wisely. So enlightenment or in Buddhist liberation isn't like we're getting out of anything, like the idea of if we if we practice meditation we're going to get out of old age, sickness, and death. You know, get enlightened and then everything's just going to going to be happy forevermore, and. Uh, I'll never have any more pain, I won't itch anymore, I won't get too hot, too cold. Uh, when people uh, criticize me, it'll make no difference, uh, when people praise me, I'll just be absolutely, totally indifferent to everything. <laughs> and when, when people you love die, I won't feel anything. Mother dies, I don't feel anything. Princess Diana died? Nothing.
1: <laughs>
0: Mother Teresa died. Arhan wouldn't feel anything. She'd probably not even know who Mother Teresa is. <laughs> or is, is, uh, is it, means that like the experience of loss is then, is, is, uh, is what we have you know like grief but we don't create suffering around it and this is where we use wisdom to know the, to discern this discernment we're doing the way in it is, like loss of a loved one feels like this so when when somebody you love dies it feels a certain way they call it grief uh, but whether you create suffering around that. As, you know, one can just suppress grief and say, I'm not going to feel anything and just deny out of, uh, you know, this kind of stiff upper lip theory where you just refuse to feel any emotion around it. Or you can just wallow in, in loss. Uh, how am I going to live anymore without my loved one Life is meaningless now and i might as well just kill myself uh, that, you know fully indulging in uh, on the, in the personal way about the loss of a loved one but in with mindfulness and wisdom then we're we're not we we're not trying to deny or reject emotional experience but respond to it wisely by knowing it is like this and being able to accept what we are feeling in the present without creating uh, anything anymore onto it or without trying to get rid of it or re- rejecting or denying it. Because this realm we live in is a sense realm. It's this is a uh, a realm where we we have emotional reactions. We feel we're in the thick of a very of of this impinging experience. We have we have feelings. We have emotions. This is part of our human human experience, and so to understand those not analyze them in terms of I have this I'm so attached to my mother that when she died I just, you know, I shouldn't you know, how we try to make a, a big personal case out of our grief as if as if there's something wrong with grieving or well, we shouldn't, you know we shouldn't have ever been attached to our mothers in the first place or <laughs> but uh we we know that that attachment and love and infatuation and and uh, emotional experience like jealousy, fear, anxiety and worry. We're we're now understanding those, feeling those, recognizing them in terms of experience. But from this position. Of wisdom, rather than from the reinforcing the the personal uh, identity with it. Reflecting on the way it is, like right, this evening's talk is is just how I reflect on it, on my experience. So it's up to you to to contemplate your own, you know, experience from you know to To uh, reflect upon the the experience of having a, a body, and a conscious body that's sensitive is you know this is a highly sensitive state we're in till death, and we've got a body that isn't you know it's quite embarrassing. Yeah. A lot of its functions we don't even want to talk about. (laughs) And uh, because we don't, the personal identity is wanting to identify with the the good parts of it. And, uh, you know, civilization, especially Western civilization, very much an attempt to ignore and pretend that we just, you know, kind of, Ethereal, maybe we kind of like angels or something, because we we feel embarrassed about uh, the fact that that the animal side, the animalistic side of our of our human body, because we have a lot in common with animals, don't we? Um, the body, the physical body, is a, is an animal's body, really. Is one way of contemplating it. Not that much different from a chimpanzee or a gorilla. (laughs) But also recognize the gift of humanity, of being a human being. And what this gift that we have is a reflective mind, a Buddha mind. Putting it in Buddhist terms, we have a Buddha like mind. In other words, Within the, within the human state, we, we have the ability to contemplate our own existence, reflect on, on life. And so we have the ability to develop and use wisdom in our, through conscious experience with uh, the life that we have to live and have to be with. So when you read the the story of the Lord Buddha himself, you know we have it recorded in the scripture. It's very interesting to to recognize that he was enlightened age of thirty six, something like that, and uh, after that he lived till um, um, till eighty, and then. Uh, during those years, he experienced all kinds of things, from great success and praise and adulation and, and whatnot to uh, all kinds of uh, miserable experiences. Blaming, blamed for things, persecution, having to, to uh, be with, you know, uh, you read the, the whole Vinaya, uh, the 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 books on the discipline. Buddha established this discipline because the Buddhist monks were so stubborn and selfish and, and untrustworthy and insensitive. These are the kind of people he had to live with.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so you read how some of the rules were. Why how the rules came to be, and I mean these monks i mean some of them are just doing the most dreadful things. You know, our monks here in England have never none of us so far have done anything <laughs> as bad <laughs> so far, <laughs> but it is kind of um a relief sometimes we think that that uh, we, this is a time that is much worse than the Buddha's time. And uh, so we can, we can expect the absolute worst kind of behavior. But uh, when you read the Vinaya Pitika in the Theravada scripture, uh, there's some pretty spicy stories and really kind of juicy tidbits about uh, despicable human behavior. Uh, at the time of the Lord Buddha himself. So I mean, it is this is a human situation, isn't it? This is our humanity. We can we can rise up. We can move to enlightenment. We have this Buddha mind. We can develop wisdom, or we can just follow our own habits. Our own be very stubborn, very self-centered, very insensitive. Uh, very conceited, uh, and we we can even be monks. We can follow those those uh, personal habits also. But then we have somehow lost the 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 the, uh, the point of, of of our life, and especially in monastic form, where you do the aim of it is to encourage mindfulness. Uh, in your lifetime. So, but just to to recognize the gift we do have, all of us, in this reflective mind. This is what the Buddha used and based his teaching on. The ability to look at suffering, recognize its causes, realize the cessation of it when it's, when of the suffering that we create. So what we can do in this lifetime is learn to let go of the causes of suffering and realize the the, the way of non-suffering. And yet we're still experiencing sensation, we still have emotional reactions and so forth, but how we, we're not creating suffering around those experiences anymore. So, like just for just a personal example of grief, uh, about eight years ago, my mother died, and so uh, that was, you know, you only have one mother, and and she dies, she's dead. Then you know I realized that I was I wasn't I I really wanted to be with with the feelings that that experience generated. I wasn't trying to control or or resist, but really be with the 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 that sense of loss as emotional experience. So I could actually kind of oh, didn't intentionally uh, open to grief as experience. And by doing that, then I wasn't creating suffering around grief. I didn't, I, didn't, I, mean, I wasn't resenting or, or making a problem or making anything more out of it than what it was. It's like this. The perception of mother is dead is like this, and then it, you know, then you that that word dead death is a high impact word, isn't it? And it usually, you know, we don't know what what that is. We haven't died yet. That we've experienced death of others. And that when when somebody that we know who's been alive is now perceived as dead, it feels like this and we can see it like to me I would experienced it as a kind of like a gap in the mind. Because I can understand everything related to life, like old age. I can understand my mother was old and and uh, pain and sickness, and all that because I've had enough, I'm getting old and I have pain and sickness and things like that, and all that we experience within uh, the human, uh, within our human experience of living, death is the unknown. So that unknowingness is like like a gap in the mind, for me anyway, this is how I describe it. a mystery but in knowing that then that I find that peaceful it isn't I don't create suffering and that that very not knowing and knowing of not knowing is peaceful So then you're, you're realizing that, the way of, of non suffering in regards to the experience of conscious existence until we experience death ourselves, the death of our own bodies. Or in terms of Dhamma, we um, this die before you die, die. Uh, this, this letting go of, of the conditioned world. This, this uh, way of non-attachment <coughs> is letting, letting all the conditions go so that conditions arise and cease. So we're experiencing kind of these deaths of conditions, the ending of conditions. And where by doing that, then we realize the deathless before the body dies. So realizing the unconditioned and the deathless, Nibbana, or these words that we have in in Buddhist uh, tradition, imply that, point to that. Realizing, knowing the deathless reality, ultimate reality, before the body dies. This is like what this is what the Buddha mind can do it's, it's the wisdom discerning faculty that we all have and that we can develop towards this liberation from selfish delusions, so tomorrow, I think uh, we will. Uh, Five o'clock wake-up bell, 5.30 morning chanting meditation. So now, I think you've had enough for the first day. I recommend you all now retire and get some sleep so you can get up when the waking bell sounds at five.